Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we're on week four of our current series, Take the Lead. The title of today's message is Partnership with God. We pray you guys enjoy today's word. So today we're going to jump right into the series that we've been on the last several weeks. We've been on a series entitled, Take the Lead. Take the Lead. I want you to think about those words. It implies us stepping out. It implies us taking ownership. It implies us taking something seriously. It implies us going ahead. And the truth is this, that God wants you to live ahead. God wants you to take the lead. But here's the thing. It's as he's leading you and I. How many of you know that there's a place, there's something that God wants to show you that God's trying to take you towards, that God's trying to build in you and revealing you? If you don't know that, I got good news for you. God's got good plans for your life. But in order to get there, in order to follow his lead, you and I have to take initiative. We have to take the lead into where God is leading us. I like the way 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 puts it. This has been kind of a foundational scripture for us. It says, for we are, what? Co-workers. Say that with me. We are co-workers, right? We're co-workers in God's service. Now listen closely to this. You are God's field, God's building. And what I want you to consider is this, that God calls you and I to partner with him. To co-work is to do something together. And when God said, I want to grow some things in you, look, look at the implications of this. You're his field. You're his building. There's something that God wants to grow in you, through you, and he wants to produce for the sake of others. You're a field. He says you're a building. He says there's something that I want to build in you, but watch what can't happen. It can't happen by himself. God being all-powerful, almighty, can do it all on his own. And he says, I choose not to. I need you. Get this picture. God says, I need you. As much as you need me, I need you. And I'm calling you into a co-work to cooperate, to coexist, to co-labor with me. And so God invites us to be co-workers with him, and that's exciting because it affirms in us a power that many people fail to tap into. It's the power to partner with God and contribute to the process of change that we long for. Anything that God is going to do in you and I, he will not do independent of you and I. Right, And so in week one, we learned that it takes commitment to take the lead, that the church does not survive or thrive without people who take seriously the call of shouldering the burden of moving the kingdom of God forward. And this is how God works in the kingdom, through people who are committed. In the kingdom of God, we learned in week two that it requires a necessary connection, that we cannot be the church that God has called us to be in our love for people without a love for one another. Get this. Jesus said this. They, you, they will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. If it doesn't start at home base, it's not getting past home base. It's a, it'll be a foul all day. Week three, we learned that people that care, carry. 
We learn that carrying the kingdom of God is characterized by people that are willing to carry one another, to be a supply to one another, to be an encouragement to one another, to be a strength to one another, to be a, 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 a source of upliftment to one another. And so people that care, carry. How many of you care about God? Okay, about, about, about 10 of you, right? About 10 of you, all right. I'm praying for you. Listen. If you care about God, if you care about his kingdom, just realize that you can't care for God independent of caring for his people. We must care for one another. And so today we continue our series with the topic of partnership with God. I pray that your ears are open and that your heart is enlarged today to receive the word of God. Listen closely. People that lead in any facet of life do so through partnership and contribution. It might start just with you, but get this, it won't be sustained just by you. And so the truth is this, that in the kingdom of God, people that lead do so by partnership and contribution. They add value, they release resources, they sow generously into that which they're committed to. Listen to the words of Jesus. In Matthew 6, 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Listen closely. If we just look at the simplicity of this, here's what he's saying. What you love, what you value, and what you hold in high esteem, and what is most important to you and I, is where you and I will devote ourselves. It's where you'll release your talent, where you'll use your gifts, where you'll devote your resources, where you will sow your finances. And so the church, through Jesus Christ, is the hope of the whole world. Would you agree with me on that? It's the hope of the whole world. And that's why it's so important to continually add value to it. Listen to a man named Paul. This guy Paul, right, was a man who did great exploits in the kingdom in partnership with God. But the thing about Paul is that Paul was a man who never looked for what he could get, but rather what he could give. He was never looking for how he could benefit from the church, and yet he benefited greatly by this approach. So I want us to look to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at the second half of verse 7 into verse 9, and then we're going to skip over into verses 11 and 12. But I want you to see the heart behind the motivation, the engine that drove this man and the lifestyle that he led in his love for God and people. It says, starting at verse 7, that just as a nursing mother cares for her children, watch this, so we cared for you because we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That term glory there speaks of God at his best. And so, listen closely 
to what Paul says. Paul believed that the power of this gospel was so meaningful and so crucial to his life and to the lives of others to such an extent that he was more concerned with what he could contribute to their lives instead of what he could get from them. Listen to some of the things he says. He says, I cared for you. I shared with you. I toiled and I endured hardship for you. I worked night and day and I encouraged and comforted you. Paul understood the power, the care, the comfort, and the life change that this gospel provides. But here's what he understood about it, that it comes by partnership with God, a partnership that is characterized by people who contribute and add value to the lives of those around them through the church. Let me make a statement here. We as the body of Christ, with our time, with our talents, with our resources, with our finances, do not give to the church. Listen closely to what we do. We give through it. We give through it. We give through it. And the Bible details a miraculous moment in the ministry of Jesus that teaches us about partnership with God. By the way, let me just be very clear on this. We're not taking a second offering. We're not trying to compel you or cajole you or box you into anything. Listen, I am teaching the word of God. We're talking about being a people that take the lead where God calls us to lead into. Where God calls us to be a part of this kingdom and to be used of God. To co-work with God. To impact life change. To bring hope where there is no hope. We're talking about the kingdom. And in the kingdom, God chooses to co-work with us by what we bring. With our time, with our talents, with our gifts with our resources, with our finances. And so, as I was saying, the Bible gives us a miraculous moment in the ministry of Jesus that teaches us about partnership with God. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Starting at verse 1, it says that sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now listen closely to what's going on behind this question. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves, that's just five pieces of bread, and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. 
And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had, had, and when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And so it's of great importance to understand and pay close attention to the intent of Jesus. Jesus wanted and had in mind to perform a great miracle. And upon considering the text we just read, it would seem that the miracle he was intent on was feeding 5,000 men, which was really more like somewhere between 15 and 20,000 men, including women and children. I mean, after all, this is what he was after, right? This is what it looks like. This is the miracle that he performed. But I submit to you today that there was a greater miracle that day. Listen closely. One that was necessary in order to facilitate the provision that Jesus would bring to these people. So as he's finishing up his time of teaching, Jesus asks one of his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Right? And as we saw in the, in the scriptures, it's a question meant to entice the disciples into something that they had not considered. They were oblivious to it. Philip responds, it would take more than all the resources that we have to feed these people. In other words, we can't do it with what we have. And then Andrew kind of gets wind of what's going on. And Andrew, he sees a boy who we don't know if the little boy comes or not. But what we know is that the little boy is willing to give what he has. And Andrew finds a boy with five loaves of barley bread and two small fish. But Andrew says, these aren't enough. What are these? They're insignificant. They have no value. They add nothing to the need of these people. What could you do with this, Jesus? It's not enough. But I want you to consider this, that the miracle wasn't in the feeding of the 5,000. The miracle was that someone dared to believe that they could play a part by contributing to what God wanted to do. Listen, we live in a day and age where we value our time, our resources, our gifts, our talents, and our finances. I'll prove it to you. We have bank accounts. How many of you have one of these? A watch, not an Apple watch. Don't worry about that. How many of you got a watch on, right? You use something for a watch, right? So watch this. You account for your time. You have a bank account. You account for your money, right? You account for your gifts. You place it where you feel it's most valuable, where you add something, right? And so we all value and understand the importance of investing ourselves into something, And what we see here is that this little boy, what he valued most, he said, I'll invest it into the hands of Jesus. I'll place it there. 
You know, it takes something to do that. That's a miracle. And in this day and age, it's a miracle to devote your time, to devote your talents, to devote your resources, to devote your finances, to devote what you value most, to prioritize the kingdom of God above what's most important to you is a miracle in the making. It's a miracle. See, the feeding of the 5,000 was a byproduct of a child who believed that what he had, what he brought, and who he was, was sufficient and acceptable for God to do something great for many. Let me say this to you. Partnership and contribution are a part of family life. I'll prove it to you. Why haven't you cleaned your room? Hey, I, I need you to like, yeah, the rent's due, right? Right? Oh, oh, you can drive now. That means you can work. You need to start paying towards your car insurance, all right? Some of you parents are going, amen, pastor, preach it. We're recording this. I'm going to make sure my kids hear this. So you get the point, right, that partnership and contribution are part of family life. But get this, they are also part of community life in the local church. And a responsible believer in God's kingdom contributes to the family. Listen closely. Don't take my word for this. Giving is a big deal to God. Why? Because it's a part of his nature. It's who he is. Do you believe this statement that God is a giver? You believe that? You believe that? According to scriptures, the, the, scriptures, the scriptures say that he's blessed you and I with every spiritual blessing. The source of all blessing comes from the kingdom of God himself. It's from God himself. He says that you're blessed with every blessing, every spiritual blessing, everything that you need and require for life and godliness. According to 2 Peter chapter 1, you have that. You've received that. You're a container for the treasure. The scripture says that we have this treasure contained inside earthen vessels. So there's much that God has provided for you and I. In Matthew 25, Jesus uses a parable of a, of a uh, wealthy uh, landowner, a master, who gives to his servants. He's about to leave on a journey, and he gives to his servants one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. And the scripture is very clear to say this, that the master, which is referring to God, it's portraying God, and we are portrayed as the servants. It says that he gave to each one of them according to their ability. Every one of us is a container with a measure of ability. And God provides and God gives and God anoints and God gives you talents and gifts according to that ability. But listen closely. God is a giver. And in like manner, giving is important for us because it demonstrates and increases our trust in God. And it also brings expansion and spiritual growth into our lives. Look, for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to really dig into the scriptures. And I promise you that there is so much more that I can say. But I really feel that what I'm, what I'm sharing with you today, that it's, it's Holy Ghost anointed. It's, it's from the mouth of God. And it's sufficient to stir you to go to the scriptures for yourself. Don't take my word for anything. Don't take my word. Let's look at the scriptures. 
And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want, I want us to consider why partnership with God is so important. Why is it so important? And the first point I want to give you is that because you need to. You need to. Listen closely to what I'm saying here. This child was numbered among many people that day that had heard Jesus, were in need of Jesus. But get this, they were hungry in the presence of Jesus. It's been a long day. Another gospel renders it this way. It says that the people are weary and they're hungry. So send them away because it's getting dark so they they can go get themselves something. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You feed them. So get this. These people were hungry. But none of that stopped this boy from among this crowd who was himself hungry, who was himself in the presence of Jesus, who was himself hearing Jesus and in need of Jesus. Nothing stopped this boy from acting on his belief that he could contribute something that would add value through the kingdom, through Jesus. Listen closely. For him to add to the work of Jesus, of God, was to add to what he himself needed. Consider this. He's hungry. He takes his five pieces of bread and his two fish, and he says, Jesus, here it is. You use it. And in the process of supplying and contributing and partnering with God, to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Watch what he's doing. He's supplying and partnering for his own benefit as well. Mm. I want to be very frank with you. When you and I stop giving, you and I start lacking. Start lacking. Start lacking. Some of you, you, you've been here a while. I made a statement. This had to be a good four years ago or something. And I was teaching something in relation to, to giving. And I made this statement back then. I said, and some of you are going to go, you're crazy. I had friends in ministry that told me, bro, you're crazy. But I remember being here and out of my mouth as I was preaching, I said this. If you doubt what the word of God says concerning your tithes and your offering, you give it for the next 90 days. And if God does not supply in greater measure unto you, remember that, Debbie? Remember that, Rhonda? What did I say? What did I say? I, I said, you can have it back. Because we keep records of everything. I said, you can have it back. Do you know that not one person, and there were many people who came and said to me, there were a few people, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't shout nobody out. We we're all in the process of growth. There were a few families that said, are you serious about it? And I said, bank on my word what I said. Because if I'm going to preach something that I myself don't believe, then what's the point of what we're doing here? What's the point of listening to this word? What's the point of, of partnering with God? What's the point of trying to take the lead and go where God is leading us? What's the point of it? And I said that, do you know that not one family came back to me? 
and they're still here, and they're still prospering, and they're still succeeding, and God is still faithful. But listen, we need to do this because when we stop giving, we start lacking. This boy was in need, but he got the revelation that when you give to what you draw your supply from, you will never lack. Never, ever, ever, never lack. To not give was the equivalent to cutting off the very source that God would use to bring him a supply. You know, you ever heard Philippians 4.19? I know some of us can quote that, right? And my God, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yay. Yes. Crazy praise break. But listen closely. There's a principle that these people in Philippi, in this church, understood that made it so in their lives. Let me read to you Philippians 4, 18, before it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says to them. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Listen closely. What you give does not only supply for the needs of people. It serves and supplies your needs too. I'm talking kingdom business here. I'm talking the way God works. And so when we get excited about Philippians 4.19, let's get more excited about Philippians 4.18. Because in the kingdom, here's what God says. What you reap, you sow. And you, sow, and you, and you reap it in greater measure. Right? Now get this. They gave to the ministry of Paul. But watch what Paul says in verse 18. He says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to Paul? No. Pleasing to God. See, these people understood how the kingdom works. And so the principle here is clear. Givers partake of God's provision in times of need. I'm going to say that again. Givers partake of God's provision in time of need. Now, God is a good God. He provides unto all. But listen closely. Givers increase their capacity. Givers grow. Jesus said said it this way. To the measure you give, you'll receive in greater measure. Pressed down, shaking over, running over. The second point I want to give you here is that the reason why we should partner with God, we should be in partnership with God, is because it makes a difference. Get this, the disciples believed that their resources were insignificant. They believed 
that they could not contribute anything that would make a difference. From the scriptures, here's what we saw, that they questioned the impact of the resources they had available. Philip goes, man, you know, we, we, we've got about a half year's wages here, but there's so many people. We can't do anything with this. We can't, we can't add anything to what you want to do here, Jesus. Andrew goes, yeah, you got this boy here, and he's got five loaves of bread and two fishes, but what are these among so many? They viewed it as small. But let me tell you, there is nothing small about what God has placed in your hands. There is nothing small about what God has placed in your hands. Let me put it to you this way. An open hand has the ability both to receive and to release. It can always receive, but it can always release. Listen closely. A life yielded to the kingdom and knit to the heart of God can receive and release always. And here's the thing. The more you do it, the more you grow. Think of it like exercise. The more you do it, the more your capacity to push, to run, to lift, it it, it happens naturally by repetition, by commitment, by discipline. And in the kingdom of God, as we begin to grow in this principle and we understand it makes a difference, we ourselves experience a difference. Because they believed that the resources that were available to them could not make a difference, these disciples, they were on the verge of missing a great miracle if it weren't for the miracle of a boy in their midst. And the fact that Jesus said, no, 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 I can't, I can't miss this teachable moment. I have to show them something. This boy came with little. But listen. He believed it could make a difference. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7. It says, and now my brothers and sisters, go ahead and tell somebody, my brother, my sister, guess what? You qualify. That's all of us, right? And now my brothers, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. I heard somebody ask a real good question. What exactly did God give them? I'm so glad you asked that. Listen, it says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. And so we urged Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, 
in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Get this. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to the Corinthian church. And this is 2 Corinthians. That's important to know because 1 Corinthians, these people were a hot mess. They were toe up from the floor up. It was bad. They loved Jesus. But man, they were hooked to so many bad things, so many bad mindsets. So in 2 Corinthians, now what we find is that they're excelling. Listen, they're excelling in everything. In verse 7, Paul says, he says, they're excelling in faith. They're, ex- they're excelling in their speech about what they believe. They're excelling in their knowledge about what the word says and what they believe. And they're in, in complete earnestness and in love that's been kindled in them. They're excelling in that. And then Paul says, being that you're excelling in all these other things that God has graced you with. He says, make it your intention." to also excel in this grace of giving. Of giving. Can I tell you, for those of you that have been here for a while, you know, you've heard this from me, but you also know this by experience. We don't need people's offerings. You know what we need? We need people with a heart and a love for God. When that's where your life is centered, that's where your treasure will be. Now, get this. He's talking to the Corinthian church about the Macedonians. And these people did not simply give. They gave over abundantly and with the belief that what they added would push the needle forward to make a difference in the work that God had commissioned Paul and the churches to do. The Bible says that they pleaded. These people begged for the opportunity. It was urgent. It was necessary. I've got to be a part of what God is doing. And the Bible says that they gave out of their poverty. Get this. Out of the very little they had, they said, okay, you got how much? And you got this? And you got that? Hey, can you do just this? Can you do just that? And the Bible says that they gave to such an abundance that it not only supplied for the ministry, but it supplied for the people. Listen, when you give, give with that level of faith. Give generously. Give overabundantly. But give with the understanding that it makes a difference. I'm going to say this from the pulpit. If you believe that what you give does not make a difference, I want to encourage you to do something. Don't give it. Don't give it. Don't give it. Don't. And look, there's no judgment in that. It's okay. But don't give it. Because you're not seeing the value and the treasure that you yourself have received. We're talking about the provision of God. 
man, I'm so, I'm so down and out. It's so hard. Listen, you are cursing your seed. You're saying that the provision that you have in your ability right now is no good. How about taking the seed that you have right now and working it there? The problem is we try to live outside of the power of the seed that we've received. That's called debt. That's called foolishness. There's no wisdom in that. The third thing I want to give you here today as we're wrapping up is this, that the reason why we should partner, why we should come into partnership with God is because it works both ways. It works both ways. In order to teach the disciples the power of partnership, Jesus takes the bread and the fish, he blesses it, and then he gives it to them, to the disciples, to distribute. Now, I want you to imagine this moment. I want you to envision this. They start with five loaves. Jesus, sit the people down. We're going to feed them. And Jesus grabs the five loaves and the two fish, and he blesses it. And these guys are watching him, and they're going... That's not enough. For the ones that were being real spiritual, they're praying, but they got one eye open, and they're looking at him, and they're going, this ain't going to work. And the Bible says that Jesus takes the bread. He prays over it, he blesses it, and he hands it off. And as he hands it off, I envision that Andrew takes the piece of bread, and he passes it to Peter. And Peter passes it to James. And James passes it to Philip. And Philip passes it on to Matthew. And Matthew passes it on to John. And all of a sudden, one piece of bread just went by, but then here comes another one. And then another one. And then another one. And then another one. And watch this. All of a sudden, they're past five pieces of bread. Man, God is speaking to you right now. God is speaking to each and every one of us. They begin to use what they have. And get this. They didn't believe in what they had, so Jesus had to use what somebody else had to bring about the the, the miracle. But he's so merciful and so graceful that he still passes it through their hands. And get this. The little boy is watching this. That's one, two, three. Four, five, wait, six, seven. And all of a sudden, the fish starts flowing. One, two, three, 1,000, 1,001, 1,500, 1,501. Remember, it's 5,000 men, but we're talking about women and children too. This is a great miracle that started with the miracle of a person who said, God... I choose partnership with you. Now, you can't miss this point. The Bible says that these people were filled till they were full. They ate till they were full. They couldn't eat anymore. And then Jesus says this, because you got to remember the point. You got to remember the point I'm making here. The reason why we should be in partnership with God is because it works both ways. So the disciples, if you follow the narrative, they talk to Jesus. Jesus says, let's feed them. But guess who hasn't eaten? The disciples. 
And so now everybody's done eating, and Jesus says, go ahead and gather everything that's left. And they come back with 12 baskets. And there's 12 disciples who've been hungering and have been serving and have been partnering with God. Now listen, the Bible doesn't implicitly say that. But I do want you to know this according to the kingdom's principles. That when you work with God, God works with you. Second Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 puts it this way. It says, now he who supplies, that's God, seed to the sower, that's you and me, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity, watch this, will result in thanksgiving to God. God gets the glory. God gets exalted. The gospel is advanced. Lives are transformed. Minds are renewed. Hearts are mended. But watch this. He supplies the seed to the sower, but he also supplies bread. He also supplies bread. He supplies something more unto you. Not just what you need to sow, but for your need to eat. Listen, no one has ever become poor by giving in obedience to God. And so if God moves you to give your time your talents, your experience, your gifts, your finances, do it. Do it. See, what you give with your finances, your time, and your experience, and your resources creates capacity unto you. It enlarges your store of seed. And the last point I want to give you here is simply this. Why should we be in partnership with God? Why is it so important? Why is it necessary? Because it's the greatest expression of love. Listen closely. In Matthew 14, it gives us insight into this same occurrence from a different angle, from the eyes of a guy named Matthew. But it tells us what motivated, what drove Jesus when he fed these people. Listen to what it says in verse 14 of Matthew 14. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Listen closely. That word compassion there refers to a love, but in the Greek, it's a love that comes from what they refer to as the seat of love. Here's what it's referring to. It's referring to a love that comes from so deep, within you. It's so pure and so genuine. It's so passionate that when Jesus looked at these people, he didn't pity them. He loved them. And because he loved them, he gave to them. Jesus was not moved by their hunger. He was moved by his love. 
And this is important for us to identify when we give. What motivates us when we give our finances, our time, our talents, our experience, our gifts in the kingdom of God. Listen, if it's not a love for Jesus that drives you in all that you give, stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can assure you, here at Church at the Bridge, we are not hurting. And we don't beg. We understand who the King of Kings is. And we understand as a church, listen, we, we give oftentimes more than we get. And we always end up in the grace of God with a surplus. We serve a good God. That's the God you serve. And so I leave you with this thought that our giving should be motivated by love. When you help somebody out, don't help them out of pity. That's not good seed. Help them out of compassion and a love that's born out of the heart of God and introduces them to the love of God. When love is at the heart of our gift, what we see here is that the gift is multiplied into the lives of others and unto us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand here today. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I want you to join me in doing something today as we close. I want you to take these hands of yours and put them like this in front of you. These are hands in the kingdom. This is your cup that overflows. And today, Lord, we present to you our talent, our time, our gifts, our resources, our finances, Lord. All that you've given us ability to do with. And Lord, we say we love you. And we commit to you, Lord, that because we love you, we partner with you. In all that you want to do, Father, we are present with purpose and available unto the kingdom. And God, we thank you that through these hands, Lord, that you multiply unto the lives of people, that you restore that you transform, that you meet needs, that you uplift, that you build. Lord, today we release the miracle through partnership with you. We agree with your word and thank you, Lord, that it is so. We say amen to that. Now, Father, today, hey, if there's anyone here and you've never seen yourself as a partner with God, that God believes in you to that extent that he has given you ability and that he calls you into partnership with him, that he calls you into a life with him. And today you see that and you believe that. Here's what you need to know, that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, his very best. He paid the price for you and I. He gave the ultimate because you are worth that high price.
And he died the death of a sinner to pay the price that you and I were supposed to pay so that you and I would be free of that debt and be free to love him, to know him, to be restored, to be redeemed, to heal, and to experience a new life. If you believe that with us today, pray that with us as we close here. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again because you love me. Today I declare that you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you, I'm following after you, and I count myself a partner in life with you. Come on now. We're celebrating life change in the lives of people. Don't leave here without telling somebody your story and what God has done in you. Now, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, friends and family. Thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.